1: we celebrate first before we jumped into the message this morning. Uh, as we've been walking through this series, Fact or Friction, uh, we've realized that, that sometimes our perspective shifts from what is true to what is false because of maybe some friction that we have in our lives. We talked about maybe friction in our families, friction in our marriages, and this morning we're going to look at another type of friction that's within ourselves. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever went tubing, which means you were pulled by a boat on water? How many of you ever went tubing? All right, that's awesome. Hey, a number of years ago, we were out with some friends, and uh, we were actually being pulled by a jet ski. We're on a flat lake, and I'm always sharing this because it was really, really funny. Um, But but here was the deal. this, You know, a jet ski would probably do about 65 miles an hour. Lake is flat as could be, and... (laughs) Full throttle all the way go and it's his brother-in-law that's on the back of the tube. And no joke, I'm watching it happen as he as he makes this wide sweeping turn and his brother-in-law falls off the tube and it looked like a human rock skipping across the water. I mean, arms, legs, do 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 do. do, do. I was like, he just went five times. Like it was like ding 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 do And so we go pick him up, we're like, you all right? He goes, everything hurts. I was like, you wanna go again? No. He's good, right? And what I realize is when you go tubing, there's, there's two kinds of people who are behind the wheel, right? You have, you have the person who they're aware, right? They're constantly looking behind them. Who's on the tube? Who am I pulling? You know, they're aware that their wake is creating some extra large waves. And when they make that turn, hey, is everybody okay? And they're just being careful on the throttle, that's number one, very aware. Number two is all gas, no brake, right? It is full throttle. I don't care who's behind me. Oh, that's my son. It doesn't matter. Right? And there's hammering down. They're unaware. Hey, they fell off when? I didn't know. I didn't see them. Because why? Because I wasn't looking behind. I wasn't, I wasn't moving my head in any direction. I was just trying to make them fall off. And so we have those two types of individuals. Well, I think we have those two types of individuals within us one that's aware and one that's unaware. Right? We, we get to this point in our lives and we're like, man, I'm, how come I'm not aware of what's taking place? We never, we never stop to turn around and see if we've lost something. We wonder, why, why are our marriages erect? How come, how come my kids don't want to be around me anymore? How come my friends always have something more important to do? Like I ask them to get together and they're, ever, they're never available. We, we wonder why, why, why things happen and, and, and we don't consider what we say, what we do, we don't consider maybe the text we send, the tweet we, we put out, or, or maybe the comment we put on social media. We, d- we don't even realize could this possibly be offensive? And sometimes we don't realize, maybe an obvious, that our beliefs or our convictions don't align with how we're currently living, right? We're unaware. And, and, and sometimes what we do is we're like, man, someone should make us aware of this. Well, I, I, wonder, I wonder if you know somebody like this, right? How many of you know somebody like this? How many know that sometimes that person is us? And sometimes it's up to us to take a long look in the mirror and say, self, we need to talk. Self, we need to talk
0: and the bible actually has a lot to say about our willingness to become self-aware to align our to line our hearts, our minds, our attitudes with Jesus Christ and deal with that internal friction that we're that we have each inside each and every one of us there's this desire to grow and to love and to be loved and yet we we feel this friction and this tension in our relationships and with the people around us and so in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 Paul starts it off like this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith God has distributed to each one of you. And Paul says it all starts with this great mercy. God's mercy in our lives, God's mercy for you and for me. He has been merciful, therefore we need to have this desire, this urgency to offer up our bodies, to offer up our lives, to offer up the way we think, the way we talk, the things we do, the where we go, what we spend our money on, what we, what we do with our time. In those moments, am I willing to sacrifice the way that I live? Because we know that there's often this friction between the desire to want to live for God and the desire to fit in with the world. The desire to want to do the right thing, and then when you're really frustrated, the desire to go, I think this once it will be okay, right? Maybe they really just need to know what the truth is or what I feel or what I think is right or what's wrong. And so we have this tension inside of us. And Paul talks about that. And and the image that he's trying to conjure up is this image of sacrificial death. Where, where there's this living sacrifice now that we get to have in the presence of God. In the New Testament, Jesus became the sacrifice. But in the Old Testament, he's referring to the death, the death of, and the loss of life, the, the suffering. And he's saying, you don't have to do that anymore. That's covered that's covered. Now what we get to do is we get to live for Jesus. We get to respond to that love. Nobody else has to die. Jesus did that. And because there was this death, we get to daily make a decision. And by the way, the decision is ours all by ourselves, regardless of any circumstance, regardless of any situation, regardless of what, regardless of what he said, she said, he did, she did. The decision is mine. Do I want to live for Jesus in everything I say, in everything I do? And Paul is beginning to address these unhealthy patterns that we have in our lives. So when he uses the word conform, it actually in the Greek is translated as to fit into a mold. And so he's referencing in our day and age, it would be like fitting into Plato, right? Plato. Anybody else play with Plato when they're a kid, or your kids play with Plato? I loved it. I hated letting my children play with it. God bless you, mom, for letting me own it when I was a kid because I was like there are special moments for this like messy, gooey garbage. But it was so awesome to be able to put in the the play-doh and you could make french fries and you can make hamburgers and look you could take the green and make it lettuce and then you know when you're done making it lettuce you could put it in and you could make big long spaghetti noodles you could make it whatever you wanted just by putting it into that mold And Paul is saying that we are so tempted to fit into the mold of the world, to let the world tell us we need to be spaghetti, we need to be a piece of lettuce, we need to be living the way they have designed for us to live when our only proper response is to live in the design of Jesus Christ, who he's called us to be, who he says we are. And we're tempted to believe that we need to fit in with the people around us. But God does not want us to fit into the molds or patterns of this world. He wants us to reflect his son and live like heaven. There's no better way. There's no, there is nothing more satisfying than to be a direct reflection of his son Jesus. And that is what he called each and every one of us to do. Because our point is, the first one today, is that if it is about Christ, it cannot be about us. If it's about Christ, it can't be about me. It can't be about what makes me happy. It can't be about what what makes me feel satisfied in this life. It's about his satisfaction in my life. And verse 3 is the key in this passage. It says, for by the grace given me, and aren't we thankful for grace, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has. By the way, God has distributed to each one of you. Paul is reminding us that we must be self-aware. We've got to look internally at who we are, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, recognize the internal life that we have and how the internal directly relates to the external. We respond based upon what's inside, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're feeling. We know that becomes our filter, You think somebody has a problem with you, and when they look over near you, you think, what are they looking at me like that for? And really, they're not even looking at you. They're looking at somebody else. It's what we do. But humility is a direct reflection of consecration. Humility is a direct effect and reflection of a consecration. What is consecration? It's a big churchy word, right? Right? It means sacred and holy, blessed, dedicated for a divine purpose. God has called us and has consecrated each and every one, you and me, for his purpose and for his glory. He's set us apart. He has dedicated us to himself. We are his temple. We are the ones that he is living in and using. And this verse wants us so badly to recognize that it is not what other people say. It's not what other people do. It is is letting us know, and hear me on this, it is our ability through Christ to view his gifts in our lives for us to use for his glory. But we have a choice in that. We have the ability to view his gifts, not ours, his gifts that he gives us All by himself, because he's God, and he's the creator of all good things and all good gifts. you hear what I'm saying? It's not about how I can perform. It's not about how you can perform. It's not about getting it right, doing it right, being right. He is right, so you are right. He is good, so you are good, and he is in you. It's referencing that faith that we talked about. He gives it. Our best lives are his best life. It's not what I do for myself. It's not how the title in front of my name, the letters after my name, the amount of my bank account. My best life is from his best and not ours. And so he is, Paul is letting us know, we've got to form some patterns that don't look like this world. It, we don't conform to the world by reading our Bible, but it conforms us to be more like Jesus. That's right. We don't, the, the world doesn't say, you know what, you should really pray about that. You should probably pray before you respond. You should probably pray before you think about that. But you know, the Bible talks about prayer. And God calls us to prayer and that creates us to live more like him. These are the types of patterns that Paul is saying. You've got to create new patterns and new systems in your life if you want to live and live in a way that honors and glorifies Jesus and all we do.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, did you hear that? If it's all about Christ, it can't be about me. Which leads us to our second point, which is this. Take time to know your soul. Take time to know your soul. So we live in a culture, in a society that is preoccupied with anything and everything. It is a nonstop run, 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 run. For those of you who are on social media, you're on Facebook and you're part of the Wadsworth Neighbors group. Right. Just look at the frustration because the lines are too long and it takes too long to get your food. Why? Because we have we have to get from A to B and we have 25 minutes and we've built into our schedule 1.5 seconds of, of margin so we're not late. Instead of leaving a larger gap, why? Because we're so busy and we're so busy running that we don't leave enough space in our life to get to know ourselves, right? We're so busy running that we miss, we miss it. And I think sometimes we enjoy the busyness. I think we enjoy the running. You wanna know why? I think it's a strategy. I think it's a strategy. You're like, it was a strategy of the enemy. No, I think it's a strategy of ours because then we never need to look inside. We never need to worry about being introspective because we're like, I don't have time. And so instead of taking the time and pausing a little bit and saying, God, what's in here? We just keep going so we never have to look. We never got to look at the skeletons in our own closet because we're so busy looking at everybody else's as we drive by them 90 miles an hour trying to get to our next destination. That's why I love communion. right? That's why today we're strategically pausing for a moment to take communion. Why? Because when we pause to take communion, we take a look inside. Right? We're doing it in remembrance of the Lord. And before we, part, before we take of the elements, we're saying, God, look deep within. And what, what's in here? Maybe that shouldn't belong, that doesn't belong. What's in here? What have I said? What have I done? You know, over the past week, over the past month that I need, to, I need to ask for forgiveness about? Well, what if we did that on a daily basis? I love how the scripture in the book of Luke, chapter nine, verse 23, it says that we need to deny ourselves, that we need to pick up our cross daily and what? Follow after him. It's a daily routine. It's a new pattern as Pastor Angel talked about. It's something we should do every day, just not on the days when we feel bad or we feel a little guilt, a little shame. But it's something that we pick up and we pick up that cross daily and say, all right, God, I'm gonna deny self. I'm gonna die to self today because I wanna live for you. I wanna honor you with, with what I'm gonna say, with how I'm going to live. And I wanna make sure that you are first. I love that this scripture gives us tons of examples of, of what a life looks like to be focused on God right? Whether it's through something that Jesus might have said, whether it's through a parable that he would have taught. Maybe it's uh, through something one of his disciples said, or, or maybe it's through something an author said. And I love in Psalm 42, it, it demonstrates something for us. In Psalm 42, verse 5, it says, why my soul are you downcast? Did you hear it? Who's, this is like that Why my soul? This is a question that the author is asking of himself, and maybe we should be asking of ourselves. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Like, what is in me that has me where I'm at? Why do I feel this anxiety? Why do I feel this depression coming? Why am I about to make the decision I'm about to make? It says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. But, but look what happens. There's this, there's this internal deep dive in of why am I downcast? Why, why am I here? What, what am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? And if we're all being honest, we're all messed up inside. Some of us are just willing to ask why. Some of us are willing to take that deep dive and go, why, why, why do I feel the way I feel? Why am, why am I believing the way that I believe? And all of us get it messed up. All of us yell at our kids when we shouldn't. No? Everyone, you're perfect. Awesome. So those of you watching online this morning, I was talking to you. I was like, no, right? But we all get it messed up. We'll yell at our kids. We kick the family dog, right? We're not sure why we're doing what we're doing. I've never kicked the dog, though. Okay, yeah. Some of you got more offended about someone kicking a dog than yelling at your own children, all right? (laughs) We see where I was with you lie, on right? yelling at the yeah. kids,
0: but I, I got to pass on the, on but the we get
1: in fight with coworkers. We feel depressed. We're overwhelmed, and we don't know why. Sometimes to find out the why, you have to slow down. Right. Things become more apparent when you pause. That's good. Right? You get pulled over, and the officer's like, did you know how fast you were going? No. Why? Because I didn't bother to look. I, I didn't realize how fast I was going. But if you slow down, how many know you know how fast you're going? Because when the car in front of you slows down, you pay attention. Because right. you're like, why are you slowing down? Is there somebody in front of you? What's taking place right now? Um, do I need to go around you? Do I need to go around you breaking Mach 9? Like, what are we talking about? Last night, we're driving back, we're driving back from, from making some returns and we're on Route 18 and all of a sudden this little Kia Soul, I'm like, I don't know what's happening with this dude. Bam, hits the curb, jumps his car. Then to get over, doesn't bother to look is anybody else next to me. Cuts in front of this car, this other car jams on his brakes, must have missed him by this much. And we're like, Is he drunk? Like, what's happening? We pull up, young kid delivering pizzas, probably was, wasn't paying attention looking for an address, and just cracked a curb. We know this, is why? Because we, we're slowing down. We didn't go blowing by like, Ah, who cares, the idiot learned how to drive. We slowed down like, Man, are you okay? Right? Do we take enough time to just pause and say, God, why do I feel the way that I feel? In church, listen to me for a moment. We've had months. Upon months of a global pandemic, social unrest, constricting economy, racial disparity, 24-7 news cycles, toxic social media. And we wonder why we feel the way we do. Because all day long, we're feeding our spirits. We're feeding our souls. Do you ever think about just turning the news off? Do you ever think about, like, hey, listen, there has to be more truth than what this individual is constantly speaking into my life. If you've ever seen the Netflix special Social Dilemma, right? Do you know they feed us the narrative that we go looking for, right? They show us what it is that we want to see. They, they're giving us the yes of what we want to say yes to. You ever just turn the TV off, disconnect from social media, put down the phone and say, God, I just want to hear your voice. So yesterday I was doing yard work. I was just cutting the grass, right? And doing a little weeding, and so we typically I'm listening to worship music. I'm listening to a podcast, and I just turned it off and I put the earbuds in my pocket and said, "God, I just need to hear you." Whether it's through creation, whether it's through, I, I just need to pause. And I think we have to just take that time and pause so we can hear. You'll never, you may never know the why until you become silent. Right? You may never know the why, what's taking place. Why do, you, why does your soul feel the way it does until? you become silent. Blaise Pascal said this, all of man's problems stem from his inability to sit in a quiet room alone. How many of you ever tried to do it? Just sit in a quiet room alone. How many know in that moment, you know your home makes lots of weird noises that distracts you? <laughs> right, I was in the church the other day painting some walls and it, it was all quiet. And I'm like, what's that? Who's here? Nothing, the building's just making noise. Right? But it's, it stems from us not having that ability to just sit in a quiet room and what? See what's inside.
0: And let God tell you who you are. We all have multiple voices. Each and every one of us has multiple voices trying to, trying to uh, influence the way we think, the way we feel. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes we have great voices that are going to encourage us. Give us an attaboy when we need it. Sometimes it's voices like what I whispered to my daughter as I dropped her off to go to homecoming last night. Remember who you are. I didn't need to tell her anything. Give her a hug. Love you. I'm proud of you. Remember who you are. Go out there. I didn't have to tell her, right? She knows because she's been in God's word. But we also have those voices. Sometimes they're voices from the past. Sometimes they're voices from a current toxic relationship. You're not enough. Can't you do anything right? Don't you you ever listen to me? You guys heard those things before and they influence us and they live inside of us and there's this narrative and we need to be able to listen to the voice of God above all else because that is going to guide us exactly where when how and why we need to be his voice above all others and I know that there are so many people that are like but God doesn't speak to me he's not speaking. Friends, can I tell you, God has spoken most powerfully through his son, Jesus Christ, and he speaks through his word. He speaks obviously, and evidently, and passionately, and truthfully, and constantly through the living word of Jesus Christ. All we have to do is open that book and read what those words say. That is his letter to you. That is he is trying to shape you into who you are, who he's calling you to be, to remind you of who he is. According to Hebrews chapter four, he does this to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So if you are experiencing a friction within yourself, if you are just really struggling to get it, God, I need to know who I am, I know who I want to be, I know who I was, and I'm just sitting in this place of feeling just disgruntled and disconnected and frustrated internally, then can I suggest to you that you turn down the negativity of the world and that you tune into the Holy Spirit that is alive and well in the Word of God? That is where life is. Ephesians, let me just read to you a few things. This is what God says over you. Ephesians chapter 2 You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He didn't do it after you were born, He didn't wait until you made a mistake and had to fix up your mess. Before you were born, he prepared your steps. He prepared a way out. He prepared a plan beyond that moment. First Peter chapter two, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Aren't you thankful he called you out of that old life? Aren't you thankful that he gave you life and life to the full? Second Corinthians chapter five, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, not some people, not a few of the people, not the people who get it right every single moment of the day, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, your identity is not found in what other people say about you, it is found in what God speaks over you. It is found in what God speaks in you and through you. Each and every one of these verses is a truth of his word for you, not just for the big church. For you, insert your name in that. Didi. you are a chosen people. Kim, you are a royal priesthood. Leroy, you are a holy nation all by yourself. Not just in the midst of this church, not just in the midst of this state, not just in the midst of this country, you are a holy nation all by yourself with the power of God in you. Anthony, you're a new creation. The old is gone. All the sin, all the shame, all of your past, all of your mistakes washed clean in the blood of Jesus. Curtis, you are his handiwork, his masterpiece, who he shaped and formed before the creation of the world. He saw you and chose you and set you apart. Maybe these are the things that we need to start pasting. Maybe we put them on a mirror. Maybe we save them to our screen on our phone. Maybe we put them as our screensaver or our wallpaper. Maybe it's something that we just put a note in our car, but these are the truths that we need to remember. And friends, hear me on this. This isn't the prosperity, trendy me gospel going around right now. This isn't I'm awesome because I'm awesome. This is God is awesome and he is in me and that's what makes me awesome. It's his power alive and well in us. It's the point people to Jesus. And if Christ is in you and Christ lives through you and you let him define who you are, you are awesome because he is awesome and he is in you.
1: So why is it so important to let God tell you who you are? Hear me on this, and this is point number four. It's what we believe impacts how we live, and how we live impacts who we become, right? How we, what we believe impacts how we live, and how we live impacts who we become. Let me break this down just a little bit. What do you believe about yourself this morning, Right, do you believe those verses that Pastor Angel read, that you are his handiwork, you are his special possession, that you are a royal priesthood, because because if not, and you believe this morning that your life doesn't have any value, then you, because you believe, your your belief system says, I don't have any value, then you go ahead and you make crazy rash decisions, because it doesn't matter about those decisions, because it doesn't matter the impact that it has on my life or anybody else's life, because my life has no value. And then when someone asks you a question like, who are you becoming? And you say, I'm becoming more of a failure. I'm becoming the person my parents spoke to me about when I was young and they said I was worthless. That's who I'm becoming. I'm just becoming that image of what they created. So change your value. If you change your value, you will change your choices. And then when you change your choices, you will realize that you are becoming who God has created you to be. You see, I wonder if the friction that we're feeling this morning within ourselves is is designed in there for a reason. Because this dysfunction starts somewhere, and that's because we're unaware of how it even got there. And God's saying, listen, just pause for a moment. Just step back for a moment and begin to realize that your life has value, it has meaning. Because this belief about yourself spills out into every other area of your life. So what do you believe about yourself? Let me ask you a question this morning. I want you to look at the trajectory of your life. If you continue down the same path, the same belief structure, the same the same action steps that you continue to do day in and day out. Are you becoming more like God? More like his son created in that image? Or becoming more like yourself? And if nothing changes, where will you be a year, two, three, four years from now? Because that begins to answer the question of who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? And understand something. This is, not, it's not a, this is a, a relational question, not a transactional question. When someone says, who are you becoming? It's a relational question because Jesus, as my Savior, he is in relationship with me. It's not transactional. It's, it's about the love that he has for me and the love that I have for him. It's not, well, because you love me, now I'm forced to love you. Because you gave your life for me, now I have to give something back to you. It's relational. You know what relationship does? Relationship changes our hearts. So when we have a relationship, we go, I want to, right? I want to love my wife. I want to serve my wife. I, I want to I become the husband that God has for me to be. I want to love my wife the way that Ephesians says Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. Right, like, oh, I would totally die. I'd, take, I'd push my wife out of a moving car. I'd die for her. I'd do it. But would you live for her? Right, would you love her in a way that, that you bring out the good of your spouse? That you see in her what, what no one else sees in her except for, except for God. But we have to be willing to pause for a moment and understand it's, it's, it's a relationship question. And then our desires begin to change. You see, God wants us to be aware of the internal work that he wants to do in us. Did you hear who I said wants to be aware? God wants us to be aware. I said God wants us to be aware. Notice I didn't say that he wants us to be aware of it in other people. Because hear me on this church, God hasn't called you to be the Holy Spirit. God hasn't called you to be the Holy Spirit. I understand iron sharpens iron. I'm all in, right? And there are people in my life that, that you want to have a relationship with that you can walk up to and say, hey, are there any blind spots? Is there something that I'm missing? I'm, uh, why, why do I feel defensive about this? I need your help. Unpack this for me so that way I realize if there's something in me that needs to be chiseled, if there's an edge that is sharp on my spirit that, that I'm asking you for, but, but that's when we ask. But God didn't call us to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always does a much better job at moving in conviction than we ever could. What if instead of, what if instead of speaking conviction into somebody else's life, we breathed hope into somebody else's life? What if, we, what if we started dispensing a little bit more grace and a little bit more mercy and a little less condemnation? But that means we have to pause and we have to look inside. And so my heart today is, would you allow yourself for just the next few moments to pause? Would you allow your spirit to kind of just, and would you allow the Holy Spirit a few minutes to transform you from the inside out? So this morning, that's why we're going to take in communion. You can get the elements out now if you have them in your hand. If you don't, I'm sure we have some in the baskets in the back. And one of our hosts would love to make sure you get one. This is a representation. This is symbolic this morning. We do not believe that this is the actual uh, blood and body of Christ. But it's what it represents. It's, it's, it's a wafer. And, and hear me on this. You don't have to be a member of Radiant Life Church. Maybe you're here as a guest for the very first time. You're more than welcome to take with us. But for a moment, we're going to pause. And here's what I'm asking you. Just hold the wafer in your hand. We're going to pray over it. We're going to give thanks, just as Jesus did but just hold it for a moment. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Bree and Josh are gonna, are gonna sing a song. And, and the lyrics of this song says, I will make room for you. I will make room for you, for you to be able to do whatever you want to. But my prayer is that this would not just be lyrics on the screen. It's not going to just be a vocal that they sing and play this morning, but it truly would be the prayer in the desire of your heart. God, would you begin to open up a little bit of space within me that I would be able to make not just a little, but a whole lot of room for you to move. And if there's something within my heart that is not of you, God, would you speak to me, God, that you would provide the forgiveness that's necessary, that I wouldn't go back to fill in the blank of, of the addiction. I wouldn't go back to the gossip. I wouldn't go back to the slander. I wouldn't go back to, but I would have an opportunity to make room for you to bring about the healing and the wholeness of your perfect son, Jesus. So would you make room for him to move in your life this morning? So with the elements in your hand, just as a sign of 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 dedication, of consecration, would you just lift them toward heaven? Father, this morning, we're so grateful for what these symbols represent. It represents your body that was beaten, that was flogged, that was ripped apart. For us, that while we were yet sinners, you, you, you alone, above all else, died for each and every one of us for the cup, for the, for the symbolic nature of what this represents, your blood. God, this morning, we understand that without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There's no way to, for us to be reconciled back to you without what your son did. And it's through the shedding of that blood that we find forgiveness. Because our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And God, when you look down, you don't, you don't have to see us. You get to see your perfect son without splot, without blemish, without sin because he became sin for each and every one of us. And for that, we are thankful. In Jesus' name, we pray and we give thanks for these elements and for what they represent. This morning, just keep your eyes closed. And Here's all I'm going to ask you to do. There's not going to be a formal, now we're going to take. Would you just hold those elements and when you're ready, and when you're ready, go ahead and take at any point.
0: I feel the Lord just say this morning that there's, there are just so many of us in this room today that are holding on. Holding on to whatever it may be for you. Maybe it's a past hurt, maybe it's a dream that you have, an ambition that hasn't come through. Something you're walking through your pain. And he wants you to release it. Make room for him to do the work. Don't hold on. Don't hold on to that thing. Don't hold on to the pain, the bitterness, the struggle, whatever it may be, just Make room for him today. Make room for him to do the work. He has finished it. Rest in knowing that it is well in his care.
1: So this morning as they begin to sing, at any point, go ahead and take the elements. And when you're done, would you just stand to your feet and would you just lift your hands toward heaven and make that your declaration.
2: Here is Every bird and every crown This is my surrender This is my surrender Here is where I lay it down Every lie and every doubt This is my surrender And I will make room for you
3: God, we thank you that you are putting us in a position where we've slowed down enough to hear from you that we have to surrender. Doesn't matter if we've been following you for decades or if we've been following you for days, every single one of us needs to surrender to your will. God, at the end of the day, we can do the best we can, we can come up with the best scheme. We can put the best dress on it. We can make it look like it's fantastic. And yet, God, it's nothing compared to your plan for our lives. It's nothing compared to what you want to do in the life of our church and through our church. God, help us to remember all the time that we have to surrender to you and say, not our will, but your will be done. Some of us in here, and you guys just... Just stay how you are. You're used to surrendering to God. You've you've made a lifestyle of it. But there's some of us in here, if we're being honest, maybe you've never surrendered to him before. And I want to tell you, I'm not up here to give you a sales pitch, okay? I simply want to tell you, as one man who surrendered my life to Jesus years ago, that it's the best thing you could possibly do. That even if right now in this moment, it doesn't make total and complete sense to you, that's okay. But this is what's going to make sense of your life is surrendering to him. So here's what I'm gonna ask. Nobody, nobody looking around, just stay where you are. If you would just say, man, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I wanna, I wanna begin to follow him. Would you just, where you are, would you just raise your hand for just a moment? Nobody's looking around except for me. This isn't to embarrass you. And once you put it up, you can put it right back down. God, help us to be people that are marked by surrender, to be known for our desire and our willingness to surrender to you at all times. No matter what we're discussing, no matter what we're walking through, God, to be people of surrender because your way is best and your way is the only way that leads to real life. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you've done so that we can even have the opportunity to surrender to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.